Welcome to Asian Book Club, where we highlight Asian and Asian American authors. We are your hosts, Jimmy and Sabangin. And I'm Stephen Park. And we are here with our first read of A Tiny Upward Shove. Mm -hmm. And in this book, we find out a lot about an aswang. Yes. Do you know what a song is, or did you know previous to this book? Yes. Uh, many other Filipinx kids like myself who grew up in Filipino homes where the culture and the tradition is fully a part of the family, mm-hmm. Aswang is the threat to us all the time. Mm-hmm. Don't go outside at night because there's Aswang. Mm-hmm. Don't leave your family without them knowing where you are because there's Aswang. Don't try to not finish your dinner or the aswang is gonna get you. So was an aswang only an outside creature? No, aswang can be in the home too. Like it can attack inside? Exactly. So if I try to smuggle a choco pie from the kitchen to my bedroom to eat it late at night like a snack, would the aswang get me? Yes, the aswang might be at the corner of your room, get ready to get you. Oh. (laughs) Did you believe in the aswang when you were growing up? So, what's interesting is that I grew up in a Pentecostal, but also Catholic Christian home. Mm -hmm. So, did I personally believe in Aswang? Yes and no, because I went to a Pentecostal church and we didn't believe in mystical creatures, but we did believe in demons and the devil. Mm -hmm. So, essentially, yes, I still believed in the Aswang. So you just thought the Aswang was like a devil or a demon? Demon, yeah. I don't know if I had anything like this personally. Mm. I feel like growing up, I didn't need an Aswang. I just needed my mom to threaten me with my dad. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you just needed something to fear. And I felt like with Filipino kids, we needed more things to fear, not just our parents. See, I feel like my dad was scary enough where I would have mm. hoped that an Aswang would have came. <laughs> oh, no. I would have been like, please, Aswang, come defend me. Oh, come defend no. this house. Uh, we'll talk more about Aswangs and that kind of culture, but I don't, I don't know. Like, for me personally growing up, I don't think that there was a big figure like that Mm. um same thing also grew up in like a southern korean baptist church so i I don't know if we just didn't believe in it because of that fact but we also had other traditions where we did have spirits and those kind of things Mm -hmm. but did you have evil spirits that you had to defend against or be afraid of no just my dad I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, not really. Mm. It was more just spirits of, like, our grandparents and things like that, which we would summon on their ancestral days and things like that. For sure, for sure. I think it has something, at least in the Tagalog slash Filipinx Filipino tradition, I think it stems from, like, the spiritual realm and... I won't say it's a religion, but the spirituality before Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, um, in Korean culture, like, shamanism and Mm. Buddhism are two of the structurally religious practices that were there. Yeah. So maybe it's stuff that was just not within my family of things. Mm -hmm. I know the part of, like, bringing in ancestors is somewhat similar to what happens with Hispanic cultures in, like, Dios de los Muertos. Yes. So, 
I, I think there probably is some of that kind of shamanism stuff in the culture, but mm-hmm. yeah, we never like wrung out spirits or had that as a fear tool. Gotcha. But I don't know. Maybe it was just my family. That's fair. Yeah. But, you know, every family's a little bit different. Yes. Pretty much the only way that I would have found out about the Saswang is, I think, through this book, mm-hmm. which leads us to our recommendation for the week. So, for our recommendation of the week, I'm recommending You and Me Books, which was founded by Lucy Yu. It's a bookstore that focuses on the strong, diverse voices of our community with a focus on immigrant stories. Due to a fire that affected the building where the brick-and-mortar store was located in in early July, unfortunately, You and Me Books' physical storefront is currently closed. However, we can support them by giving to their GoFundMe for their recovery fund or ordering through their bookshop. You can stay up to date and know more about their story through their Instagram at you and A-N-D, Me Books and their website, you and me books y-u-a-n-d-m-e-books.com yeah and i think this original storefront was located in new york right yes yeah so you know local bookstores aren't making a ton of money so right. when things like this or vandalism or robberies things like that happen mm-hmm. i think it really does truly affect their margins because it's pretty small in general right and it also affects their community because they're such a cornerstone of chinatown as well right So not everyone is going to have the means to be able to give to them. But even if you don't have the money, then maybe kind of publicize it over your Instagram. Maybe Mm -hmm. just spread the news about it. Because that's also helpful for people that maybe have more of the monetary or the time that they can input to helping a bookstore like you and me. Absolutely. Or just giving them a follow could be helpful. Right. So that's you and me books and you and me books.com. Yeah. And that's our recommendation for the week. Okay, so like I said, we're starting a tiny upward shove. Mm -hmm. And this is the book pick that you chose. Yes, and it's written by Melissa Chadburn. Right. And we have broken this book down into four parts. Yes. And this week we read the first quarter of the book, pages 1 through 88 in the hardcover, which starts with the chapter called Tinnikling, and we end with the chapter called Pork is a Seasoning. Right. So... Firstly, this book is pretty graphic. Yes, very graphic. There's detailed retellings of violence, of death and gore, and also of intimacy. So it's definitely not safe for work, especially for those of you who are reading the audiobook. You might want to not listen to it on speakers unless everyone around you is okay with that. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And I wouldn't even say intimacy. I would say maybe sexual assault in some of these cases. There is sexual assault. There's also some very few moments of consensual intimacy, but there is a lot of sexual assault as well. So be aware of that. Right. And more personally, there's another reason why you didn't like the audiobook. Yes. I loved the narrator and the way they had a storytelling voice. However... The Tagalog words were mispronounced left and right. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't affect everyone. And if you're not someone who, maybe you don't speak Tagalog or that part doesn't bother you, Yeah, it may not 
be as much of a limitation. Mm -hmm. But I know with me personally, having read or listened to audiobooks of different Korean stories, even Pachinko, because the reader for Pachinko mm-hmm. was Japanese. Yes. So when she pronounced Korean words, it was a little bit cringy. Mm-hmm. It didn't completely deter me, but it definitely led to me being pulled out of the story a little bit whenever I heard those words pronounced incorrectly. Totally, totally. And that's how I felt reading this book through audiobook. I felt like I was being taken out of the story and also trying to understand what the words were. But again, if it's for you, that's totally awesome. I totally appreciate the narrative voice of the reader, though. Right. There is another part where some of the chapters or actually all the chapters Mm -hmm. are separated by the story that they're telling and then intermissions of the Aswang speaking yes so I didn't listen to the audiobook for this one Mm -hmm. but usually when I listen to stories when they try to switch those characters sometimes I get lost within those stories absolutely I do like the reading aspect for this book particularly it's totally a visual not only imagery wise in your mind but visual as in the physical visual Right. So, not safe for work. There's a lot of stuff, like we said, in here. Yeah. Read it for yourself and kind of go through it. But one of the parts that I think are really important are on page 76. Mm -hmm. And that's when they bring up the namesake of this book. Yes. And essentially what's happening is that Marina, the main character, is trying to get this bird out of the heater that seems to be stuck. Mm -hmm. And her mom is in a rush because they need to get going. Mm -hmm. And Marina asks her mom's help. Mm -hmm. Her mom eventually, and here comes the graphic part. Well, she initially tries to help. Well, I mean, she does help, quote, Right, but initially she's trying to move the bird in a direction that is harmless. Right, like pulling it downward. Uh Uh-huh. But it's too stuck that way and it's too fluffy to go down that way. Right. So her mom does the opposite and is like, well, the only way is up now. Mm-hmm. Which there's like a fan or something. There's some, yeah. There's a machine there's something or something that's overhead. Yeah. yeah. And so she pushes the bird up, which mangles the poor thing. She gives it a well, tiny so, upward show. So this goes into the quote right. on page 76 where Marina says, What did you do? She asked, her voice shaky. The mom responds, Just what we have to do, sweetie. Help a hurt thing on its way. A tiny upward shove. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like the role of the swung, which we'll kind of yes. talk about next. But yes, yes, yes. it seems like... Because from what I've read from a very well renowned source called wikipedia and google <laughs> it seems like the aswang is seen as this very negative imagery in the philippines is that right so like i mentioned earlier when we talked about the folklore mm-hmm. aswang is meant to be a cautionary tale right yes yeah, so but, it's not necessarily negative but it's also not something you want to be or to encounter right because the explanations that i saw were like vampires and monsters mm-hmm. and things that will mm-hmm. attack you yeah i think i even read it'll attack you for no reason sometimes right but there is you know the cautionary tales of it'll attack you for more specific reasons right so that's why, and from what I was assuming, is there was not a whole lot of good involved with the Aswang character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From the reading of it, it seems like it's kind of like flipped the narrative. Mm, like the Aswang yeah, yeah. is actually something that's good and protective mm-hmm. that is going to be 
kind of an overwatcher of the family. Right. So let's talk about the Aswang. Yeah. So in the book, it kind of delineates how certain people become Aswang, which I never really knew about, or at least I've never heard it retold this way. Which might be more specific to just Melissa's storytelling. So Melissa Chadburn's storytelling. For sure. Because this may be her perception of it. Mm-hmm. It may just... Because, you know, like, we have all those zombie movies that come out. Right. And there's a million different ways that the zombies are prepared. Right, exactly. And their different abilities and things. Yes. So this might just be Melissa Chadburn's take mm-hmm. on the Aswan. Totally. Or it could be a regional thing, too. Right. So in the book... And if you're following along on the hardcover, this is found on pages 14 to 15. There are three ways of becoming an aswang. One is a fertilized egg ritual done at the full moon. Second is transmission from an aswang who wants to give up their immortality to another person. And then the third is heredity, which is activated by, like we mentioned, unfinished business. Right. And it mainly goes through the bloodlines of the women in the family. Yes, exactly. And it was very specific to kind of mention that. Right. Totally. And so, like we said, in this book, it seems that the Aswang is more of a finisher. Not someone or something that wants to do bad necessarily, although there are instances of that. But what's interesting is that the bad Aswang in this book was a man. Mm. And that man was essentially forcing the Aswang immortality to Marina, I believe. Right. But it sounds like that might be a consistent theme. It Maybe not just men, but it seems like, I mean, maybe it is men. But <laughs> it seems like it's kind of something that happens bad upon women and it doesn't seem like this storytelling so what happens is marina is found in this situation very early on the book Mm -hmm. is kind of how everything is introduced to us yeah and she is pretty much murdered by this pig farmer willie yeah and so this leads to the aswang coming in and taking over marina's body right exactly so it and it I don't know, something in the reading, I can't remember specifically, but something in there made me think that this wasn't the first time a woman was murdered or harmed Mm -hmm. or, you know, in some way affected by a man that would have led an Aswang to take over that body. Totally. And that brings us to the next major topic, which is the layers and the generations. Right. So it started out with their great, 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 great grandmother, Maria Lobo, who was being passed immortality from an Aswang. Like we said earlier, this was a man Aswang who decided, hey, I'm going to give you my immortality. I don't even know why he decided to do that, but he decided to assault her in that way. Yeah, because in that story, it seemed like Maria was going to help him out right. as she, a job or something. Right, like for some reason, right. Maria Lobo was trying to be generous to this person. And right. the thing was, the town was telling her, no, right. be careful. We, this is the rumor that this person is an Aswang. Right. And it turns out that rumor was true. And instead of accepting her help, he forces his quote-unquote help by giving her immortality. Right. And so what we find out is that the Aswang is there for seven generations. Yes. It's not allowed to be past that. It sounds like like Mm -hmm. once it's there, then the job is done. Right. But 
the other thing we find out through Maria Lobo's story is what the Aswang actually has to do, or the person has to do who's possessed by the Aswang, mm -hmm. to make sure that you keep that Aswang and the immortality. Yeah. And that is to eat another human. Right. So I think that might have been Melissa Chadburn's recollection of the horrors that mm -hmm. Aswang do in like the yeah. folklore of the Philippines. Yeah. So maybe this is her way of explaining out why they might terrorize people mm. is not just randomly, but as an effort to, to keep stay. immortality. Yes, for sure. But what we find out is Maria Lobo wasn't able to do that. She couldn't take it within herself to do that to someone else just so that she could benefit. Yes, exactly. And so later on down the line, Lorenza, the wife to Maria Lobo's great-grandson, Jose, also ends up becoming an Aswang mm -hmm. because she was distraught from his untimely death and, mm -hmm. like, the... It seemed like the grief mm -hmm. ate her up mm -hmm. and so she ended up becoming Aswang. Right. And, right. unfortunately, similar to Maria Lobo's story, she couldn't find it within herself to destroy her family or be near anybody because she didn't want to do that right exactly she kind of separated herself from her family just yeah. to kind of protect them yes exactly but that then leads us to the third possession of mm -hmm. this aswan mm -hmm. and that is marina salas yes and with marina it's totally different in that she was murdered like mm -hmm. we said by willie and at first she was trying to say incantations trying to pray for help but instead, the last thing that she thought of were the things that she couldn't finish, the things that she wished she could have done. And right. that is how the Aswang was activated and brought into her body. Right. And so one of the words that they mentioned fairly frequently is a bad word that I really enjoy using now, and I use it very often, but that's not the word I'm thinking of. <laughs> um, the word that I'm thinking of is tinickling. Yeah. So what I grew up knowing about tinickling is the dance yes which is the same word yes okay but what is tinickling in this context so tinickling is the dance is the bamboo dance and what melissa calls it is the double dutch of the philippines mm -hmm. and essentially for those who are not familiar with tinickling it is two bamboo pieces mm -hmm. being operated by two people and creating a beat that goes dun 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 so it's like a hit, hit, slam, hit, hit, slam, mm -hmm. where another person, a dancer or is... Or multiple people. Right? Or multiple people, multiple right. dancers are trying to avoid their feet getting slammed by the bamboo. Mm -hmm. Before, it's so that their feet don't get cut off by the bamboo, but mm -hmm. now it's it's simpler than that, and it's just like not getting caught by it. Right. And, you know, it kind of it reminds me a little bit of like the footwork of like, of like jump rope something where yes, it's exactly. kind of just this um very light steps right but she uses it as a way of mentioning how the possession is happening, happening yeah so it kind of brings in an idea of lightly stepping into the body mm, rather than like just fully possessing fully, yes it. exactly because right. within the different chapters like I said, the Aswang is speaking through this first-person narrative. Yeah. And we get to see the viewpoint of what that spirit or possession thing... Creature. Right. Yes. We get to see what their brain is thinking. Right. And that 
possession happens over all of these chapters. Mm-hmm. It, it, it even is that dance of I'm starting to enter the body. This yes. is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is what I'm feeling. This is where we are. Mm-hmm. And just kind of feeling out things. Right. So I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense of why she would compare it to. I can't say the word. Go ahead. Tinikling. Yeah. And tinikling for. Not only is it a dance, it's also in reference to a bird that moves that way. Mm, nice. Yeah. So that brings us full circle back to the tragedy brought on by men. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you think that this is a commentary on patriarchy? Or is it just a commentary on patriarchy among Filipino men? I mean, I'm not sure. But one thing that I think this book does really well mm-hmm. is... It presents the picture of the family a little bit. Mm. She kind of puts the surrounding situation of what that household might look like weaved into the story. Mm. So we get to see all these really negative instances of like the grandfather being abusive. And, you know, we'll talk about Willie in a second, but we get to see Willie's lifestyle and how much abuse surrounds this Mm -hmm. man and how that affects him. And, you know, obviously Willie's the one that eventually kills marina and so we now know that these traditions i I don't know i don't want to call them traditions but these negative ways of handling yeah exactly these are now passed down from generation to generation right and then it leaves the women the girls in these lineages having to pick up the pieces which i think is why they, at least in this book, Aswang is usually women because right. they're the ones who have to finish the business. Right. And I would definitely say this seems much more like a female empowering story because the purpose of the Aswang is to finish the job right. or to, you know, to round things out. Right. That's their whole purpose. Yeah. And if it's always possessed in a woman, it's kind of saying like, yeah, women are the ones that are... Have to pick up the pieces. Yeah, and just putting mm, it all together. Yeah. It just—it's just unfortunate that it has to come at the cost of their demise too. Right. So let's then talk about one of the bigger negative figures, mm-hmm. who's also a male yeah. within the story, and yeah. that's Willie. Yep. Because a lot of the first quarter of this book mm-hmm. seems to deal around Willie. Willie, yeah. So it seems like Melissa Chadburn definitely focalizes the experiences that Willie had. Right. So we're not just talking about a serial killer, which is definitely what it seems like he is. Yeah, it seems like he is a villain, but he's a villain who's human. Yeah, I mean, he's everyone's human. That's Absolutely. the hard part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but... His nature didn't seem to always be that way. Mm. But even from the start of what led him to the pigs was by watching his father sexually abuse his mother in the kitchen. Mm. And so then he hid amongst the pigs. And we saw him getting bullied at school and abused. He didn't find comfort within his parents because his father was abusive. His mother was abusive because she didn't like the way he smelled. And there was that whole scene with him being forced into the the shower and all that stuff. So... (sighs) We see this pattern of him just mentally and physically being torn down. Yeah. And then we eventually find that scene in, I think it's the last chapter, if not the second to last chapter, Mm -hmm. where he is now becoming that character that is icky. (laughs) Like, there's that girl that, like, lifts up her dress. Uh, But, you know, like, I think this doesn't humanize him necessarily. I mean, he is a human, but... 
I think it more just tells the story of this person may not have always been this way. Almost right. like if we had an alternate universe and all this crap didn't happen to him. Right. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't have turned out this way. Exactly. So this just reminds us that there's a web of interconnected story between not only Willie and Marina, and not only Marina and Da Swang, but there's just layers and non-linear storytelling throughout this book, which, mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier, made reading the audiobook a little confusing because there was no delineation between Da Swang and the human. So it's kind of like a dual timeline, the human side versus the Aswang side, and some of it is past, some of it is present, some of it is past, 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 past. Mm-hmm. So definitely if you want to be able to see the full scope of each story mm-hmm. highly recommend reading the book physically mm-hmm. and one of the other parts that you won't be able to see is in one of the last chapters and that's lola's list of like <laughs> the ways to live oh, yes oh my word lola ay, ay, ay. there's a lot of I guess old school ideas Very involved. old school. There's tradition involved. Yes. There's like even the rice making. Like there's yes. so many things that I feel like it, you know, no, it may have expired in thought and maybe those aren't the best things, but no. then we have the other things that are like still very much true. Right, right, right. This is gonna be found on pages eighty three through eighty six. Yes. Now, one of my favorites is actually number 16 and 17. Mm. So I combine them because it's (laughs) what kind of man to find. And it's such an old school thought, but it also explains a lot of Phil Ams in this in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You mean currently, right? Right. Like, Mm. and it's not all. But you see this sometimes with some of the people who are of mixed race, Mm. who are Filipino and Mm -hmm. uh, Caucasian or American. And number 16 is, it is best to date a man at least 10 years older than you so he can take care of you. It is best to date an American man, and even better if he is white. Mm. The other one is, try to find an army man or a cop, someone with a uniform. Oh my gosh, I know... Specifically, people are coming to mind. <laughs> right. And like in Guam, yes. the military is a huge presence Very there. Very big presence, yes. So that number 17 of trying to find an army man or something sometimes is utilized, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then that kind of reminds me that leads to number 20, mm-hmm. which made me like inwardly cringe because Mm -hmm. i was told this number 20 says don't be intimidated if the mother of your suitor refers to him as a gift from god but if he is her only son smile politely and find another boyfriend he will never have enough time for you Mm -hmm. i yes it was almost word for word what i was told did you follow that rule I mean, I'm no longer with that person, uh-huh. so I think it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite amongst these? Among these, I mean, not necessarily. I loved that on number 10, like you said, mm-hmm. about the rice and mm-hmm. how to make proper rice is exactly what what I follow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think a lot of these are pretty funny. Yes. And once again, also possibly a little bit true. There's one about like pinching your nose, like when you're a kid so you can reshape it. Yeah. Which deals with some of the colonization that happened in the exactly. Philippines. So also like the parts about not being under the sun right, about right. bleaching your skin definitely right. all colonial but also very true to i think what people had to grow up with right right now there are different things that bothered me a little bit about this read mm. overall i think the story does pick up yes but the beginning of this book i thought was a little bit harder i felt mm. like i had to trudge a little bit through like this brush that's fair before i could get into the story that's fair the way that this book handles its narratives or their discussions mm-hmm. i didn't like as much so it's a little bit confusing because sometimes the actual conversations aren't well separated nor are a lot of quotations used to really delineate who's mm. speaking so sometimes I had kind of had to go back and be like, all right, who are they talking? Is it a thought? Mm-hmm. So that part I didn't quite like as much. Mm-hmm. The other part that really confused me for a while, and I had to ask me this within the middle of my read, yeah. is who the heck is Reen and Rena? And then there's Marina. And I was like, okay, I think I know who it is because they kind of talk about it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they that Melissa Chadburn didn't mention it, mm-hmm. but as I'm reading it, I had to remind myself who... This, this one person is, is. Yeah. yes. So, for anyone else that might be confused, it's probably just me because I, this is my issues with reading. But mm. Marina, Reen, and Rena mm-hmm. are the same person. From what I remember in the story, Marina is more of like the her actual name and more of the formal like you got in yes. trouble kind of name. Yes. Whereas normally she's called Reen and Rena. Yes, and it's the same thing with her mom. Marina calls her Ma, of course, mm-hmm. and then her. Lola, who is her mom's mom, mm-hmm. calls her Mutya, which means mm-hmm. pearl or uh, charm. Um, that's not her name? No. That's kind of like her pet name or her yeah. endearment. So going back to what you were saying about how there aren't any quotation marks, that the only italicization is when the Aswang, it's in the Aswang's point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of Elaine Castillo's America is Not the Heart, where she does the same thing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't use quotation marks. There is no delineation between speaking and not speaking and narration mm-hmm. versus thoughts. So what I think is happening, besides Melissa Chadburn maybe breaking away from tradition, I think what's also happening, and this could just be me and my interpretation, Mm -hmm. is that in Philippinex, Filipino culture, there is almost no delineation between what you're thinking versus what someone else is saying. Mm. So for example, And I mean, I know I mention my mom a lot, but it's because Mm -hmm. she is in my brain. So that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. What my mom says is sometimes what is my inner voice. Mm. And so I think that's what's kind of happening here too. Mm -hmm. Or an example of what could be happening. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the different names, again, going back to Filipinex Filipino culture. Every person has multiple nicknames, multiple endearments. Like, mm-hmm. my name is not just Jamee, it's Jams, it's Jam Jam, it's Jamee Me. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different name for me. And, yes, and when they're talking amongst each other and referring to me by those different names, they're all referring to one person. Mm. I, I think that's pretty similar to how I grew up, too. Mm. I can't remember all the little nicknames that my parents gave me, mm. but like... 
I know at one point it was like piggy and it was like <laughs> meant to be a little point of endearment. endearment. Like I remember specifically having that conversation with my dad mm-hmm. and be like, I don't like this. Like I, I feel like it feels oh, like body shaming yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't have the words for it. And he was like, no, like that's not what we mean by it. And mm-hmm. it's like very much a standpoint of endearment is what he was mm-hmm. trying to prove. And, yeah. you know, I call our cats chunky and <laughs> I call our little cat fig piggy. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's meant to be endearment, but that part makes sense but as a reader it's so hard to kind of keep track of sometimes and I think that was the confusing part that's fair yeah I I just feel like for me I felt familiarity in that so it was easier to go with the flow with that it felt like home yes yeah so we are going to continue on with this book Mm -hmm. I think for me, like I said, I think it's getting to that better part where the story is flowing more. Yes. So I'm excited to read it. But we are on the second read of this book. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be from pages 89 to 172. On the hardcover. And that is between the chapters called Man of the House all the way to the chapter called The Pines. Yep. And hopefully there's less assault and abuse and things. But I mean, what are your predictions? I don't know. I we're f- clearly following Willie for a reason, right? And it definitely seems like that story of we know what happens, we know the ending, yeah. But maybe we find out how we got there, right? Towards the end of the chapters, we find that scene where Willie first sees Marina, right? So I think very much it's going to be the telling of everything that's led up to it, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I think I'm just in it for the ride. I don't think I have too many predictions. That's fair. I think very similarly that we're going to learn more about the middle of the story and specifically how Marina got into this, I guess, relationship mm-hmm. with the, with Willie. Well, was she in a relationship? Well, not necessarily a relationship, like romantic relationship, but like this familiarity to mm. the point that she followed him here. Mm. I thought she got kidnapped or something. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think they wrote anything about it. Okay, okay. So maybe I'm, I might have missed something, but maybe we're also going to find out exactly how this kidnapping or this... Whatever happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if you feel like we read something wrong or you know what's actually going <laughs> yeah, on... Yeah, exactly. Um, please message us <laughs> Yes. At, You can email us at asianbookclubpod at gmail.com or you can DM or comment on our posts on Instagram at asianbookclubpod. Right. And we also have our website, asianbookclubpod.com, which is also going to have our bookshop on there, which gives our current recommendations Mm -hmm. and other recommendations we both read and plan to read. Otherwise, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. But also make sure to be happy, be healthy, and read a book. Ingat. Bye. Bye.